Welcome back to another edition of Pulling Weeds. Jim Huntoon here, sitting in for Tim and Al and Campbell, Charles Conley, whoever else has hosted this podcast over the years. We got a special edition today. We got Tim Krieger moving chairs from the host chair into the guest chair. And he's going to inform us a little bit about some different things that have been going on with the association, some new things that are happening, some changes to some of our established programs, and just um, what's been going on behind the scenes as the last months have transpired. Tim has not had a lot of time in the host seat this year on Pulling Weeds. I think I said that right. You'll see in this episode, he corrects my pronunciation of pulling and pulling several times. I guess I've been adding the G all along. Um, Little did I know, but I'm trying to get it right. I guess it's pulling one syllable. I don't even know if I got it right that time. But anyway, we got Tim. I think this is an information-packed episode. It's a little different than our normal format. But uh, we've never been scared to shake things up here on Pulling Weeds, so we're going with it. So I hope everyone enjoys it and has a great day. And here you go, Tim Krieger. Tim, how are you? Jim, I'm fine, but I'm going to have to jump right on you as a Midwesterner and tell you that the name of the podcast is Pulling. There's no G, sir. It's Pulling Weeds. We ain't pulling anything. There's no G. Anyhow, just kidding, Jim. Everybody, Jim's from Iowa, in case you didn't know that. And we're lucky to have him in the Carolinas. Technically, as my family always tells me, I'm really from Illinois. They think I'm a, I make false claims of being from Iowa. But that's a whole other story we're not going to get into. Um, Is that kind of like when I introduce you as being from Myrtle Beach and you correct me that you're from Pauley's Island? That's a whole other thing. Oh, my bad. We can edit that out if we need to. No, ah. I am from Pauley's Island and not Myrtle Beach. Understood. So, Tim, uh, thank you for sitting in the guest chair as opposed to the hosting chair today. We appreciate that. I know um, you've got several different things that we're going to cover, so let's get going. Back let's on, roll. Back on October 12th, you and several of our board of director members from South Carolina not every director from South Carolina, but most of them were in Columbia at the governor's mansion for the South Carolina Golf Day. Why don't you give the listeners a little bit of a synopsis of what that event's all about and, and what you all did over there? Well, it's unique. We really didn't have a per se title, so we just kind of ran with Golf Day. But normally in the spring, we'll celebrate golf in the state of South Carolina and every other year in North Carolina with day and proclamations to be recognized through the House and the Senate, um, the state legislatures. However, um, after we finished Hospitality Day this year in Columbia in April that we were a part of with golf and we had meetings, we realized the significant changes in the not only the percentage, but the dollars of the admissions tax that golf represented, um, especially over the last two years during COVID when a lot of the businesses were shut down. And so working with our lobbyist, Mr. Roundtree, it just seemed like golf needed its own press conference. It needed to be heralded how much money the business of golf brought back into this one specific state. And so 
um, it led to a series of meetings following up with Golf Day, not only with um, Parks, Rec, and Tourism Department to kind of create a Golf Day, but then also to uh, work with other members of the administration down there that we might be able to do a beautification on the lawn day um, in South Carolina next spring, very similar to what happens on the National Mall for National Golf Day. Uh, and then we also had some other meetings with um, the Department of Corrections that we can talk more about as some upcoming programs we're working on. But long story short, we ended up uh, with the largest gathering of a special interest group for a press conference on the governor's lawn at the governor's mansion on the 12th. Um, he, along with some representatives of the PGA Tour and Steve Wilmot from the Heritage, uh, were able to say a few remarks regarding the positivity of the game and then the next day, it just so happens that the tour announces that the Heritage will be one of the top 20 um, considered or one of the top tier events next year in a guaranteed $20 million purse. So it looks like we'll have 19 at least of the top 20 players in the world coming to play in the Carolinas next year. Um, and then we also had folks from Congaree who were able to talk about the importance of that event in its second go-round and second formation of the CJ Cup that came to South Carolina as well. Yeah, that was that big. Kind of was a summary. Yeah, that was big for the heritage to be to be selected in the first year as one of the elevated events for the PGA Tour with their restructuring and response to competitive tours. Um, that was interesting, Jim, because the response that I got was from the meetings around before and after the press conference with the PGA Tour. I think it was vital that we showed the tour how the state backs golf. And so you have an event that's been consistent with the tour in the same slot since, I think, 1969. Um, and so it just seemed like it had to work. That makes sense. It was a natural fit. It was. And 1969 was the first year. You got that date correct. Do you know who the champion was in 1969? Was it Mr. Palmer? Correct, Amundo. Well done, Tim. Well done. Thank you. You mentioned Mr. Roundtree. Um, explain to the listeners what Mr. Roundtree's role is with the association. Uh, Charlie Roundtree III is our legislative council, a.k.a. lobbyist for the state of South Carolina. Um, Fifteen years ago, actually probably 18 years ago, there was a drought issue in North Carolina that forced the Superintendent's Association's hand to find their own representation um, as golf maybe wasn't as favored in some of the language that was potentially being put forth. And so then in 2007, when the surface water bill came up in South Carolina, that was when I got hired and my job was a lobbyist and at first for the first two years. And then when I transitioned over to executive director, it was just too much to burden. And so that's when we were able to engage Mr. Roundtree. Um, and so he's been our lobbyist since I think 2009. Government advocacy is a big part of the association. It is. Um, it's probably one of those, maybe we don't recognize it enough. It's just a motion that we do, but in, in both states, we deal with any issues that affect regulations, um, taxation, uh, environmental issues. You name it, anything that affects the business of golf or the game of golf, we're able to hopefully um, have a seat at the table and be a part of a discussion of a solution. 
Yeah. And I can tell you those, those relationships, Jim, are longstanding. There's many examples, but even during COVID when we're able to work with um, the state department of health and environmental control to kind of write some of the language on essential and non-essential employees all the way down to the city and the state level. Um, We work with them on that. We worked with DHEC and other state regulatory agencies um, on providing regulations for drought. For instance, we wrote the drought ordinance that DNR uses so that no matter how bad of a drought, even in levels three or four, the game of golf is protected and we can at least water our teas and our greens all the way through unlike car washes that we've turned off and things of that nature. So yeah, there's a lot that goes on um, that maybe we don't talk about, but yeah, I think it's a a vital part of our game. Yeah. We have some of our own superintendents that are involved with those river basin plans with the DNR. I know Mr. Tolbert from Orangeburg country club, uh, one of our directors on the board as well, works on the Edisto project and, I believe Mr. Steve Hamilton from the Dunes Club is on the um, statewide board, correct? Correct. And then I know recently Mr. Mike Bankert from Legends Golf Resort has got on the PD River Basin, which is just getting started. So um, we do have some good representation on those boards and obviously uh, very important to us with irrigation water. And I've been to a few of the meetings myself and we're a small, small part of water use in the, in the state, but um, it's important that we have a seat at the table and, and let our needs be known, especially when you tie it back in with what you said about being at the governor's mansion and the amount of economic impact the game of golf brings to South and North Carolina. Big numbers, almost $7 million, depending on how you do the analysis and the comparison, and that's not even including real estate. So along those same lines, Tim, you were recently down in Charleston for the South Carolina Golf Course Owners Association annual meeting, which is another get-together of, of stakeholders in, in golf. And fill us in a little bit what, um, what that meeting entails. Well, it's um, in South Carolina, we have what's called the, the South Carolina Golf Council, and that was formed 20-some years ago by... Terry Sedalek and the Owners Association, and it's where all the executive directors for, you know, we call them our allied golf groups, all meet. And so the night before, we have a dinner and we discuss issues that are going on around the state. It's part of our twice-a-year meeting. And then it's followed the next day with the uh, Owners Association annual meeting where we all kind of give updates. And I think the, the best part of attending this year was um, seeing a couple of our superintendents who were there, and they didn't know why they were there. And Chad Berry was uh, awarded Employee of the Year by the State Owners Association. And it's cool because I got to go celebrate his 30-year anniversary at his club that he and his family actually built on an old dairy farm in Lexington, not far from where I lived. So um, Chad's one of those guys that I knew before I got hired over here and have been close to he and his family and known his sister since Clemson. And so it's um, it was great to see Chad um, get emotional, have his son there who's now getting into the business. Um, to continue the legacy of the family. And then um, Sean from uh, Tidewater was there as well, Sean Donahue, and their team had been recognized for course of the year in South Carolina at Tidewater. So it was good to see a couple of our superintendent members who have 20, 30 years experience at that same facility be recognized for their work. Yeah, that's very cool. Congrats to Mr. Barry and Mr. Donahue. Um Tidewater is an, is a great facility, not too far from here in Polly's Island. And 
North Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Um, I don't know if I ever want to go back and play at the gym. I mean, I think the last time I didn't want a par five. Yes. Yeah, I eagled that hole, so I don't think I'm going back. Well, we're going to have that memory, man. I'm going to ride it out. Speaking of playing golf, we uh, recently had a um, an event up in the mountains at Blowing Rock Country Club, and I heard from a source, your partner, Charles Conley, that your game was pretty solid out there. Um, so for those of you who may follow my golf game a little closer, it has waned in the last 10 years significantly, and so has the interest. But we went up a day early, and we were able to sneak over to Linville Ridge, and I found myself as the only one of the foursome on the 18th tee begging to play nine more holes, um, and everybody else wanted to go watch college football. But that may have been because I had just parred 16, 17, and birdied 18 coming in, and so I was having a fun day. But um, no, man, it was great. The board got to go play over at Grandfather after our board meeting um, on Sunday, and then Sunday night, we had probably our best attended fall meeting reception that I can remember in years over at Blowing Rock Country Club. And, you know, with that young man, Josh Costner, getting that job over there, um, the community support was phenomenal. Superintendents from the area just came by to celebrate and to be with him. And so then we played, gosh, 100 golfers the next day um, at Blowing Rock Country Club for a fall meeting and, and had a heck of an event. How anybody on a two-man team event could post a 67 on that golf course, gross. I still don't understand because every player in our group on at least one occasion degreened one of the greens up there. We've got some great players in the association. We're uh, Our golf ability in general is underappreciated, Tim, I think. And uh, Do we need to clarify for the listeners what degreening means? Jim, do you think? Uh, that would be when you when you hit a green, whether it's in regulation or not. Most times, I guess the term is when you hit a green in regulation and the ball hits the green and you think it's on the green and you come back later when you get to the, to the green and it's rolled off the green. Oh, no. No, no. That may be your definition. My definition is when the ball is at rest and you have a putter in your hand and you are attempting to make a putting stroke towards a hole and the ball ends up in a non-puttable position after you've made that stroke. That's what I call degreening. Oh, so you're—I would call that just putting off the green. But um, yeah, 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 um, yeah. We did that a couple times. Well, I, by my definition, that happened to me at number three at, uh, at at grandfather. I hit the center of the green and thought I was in good shape and got up there and I was in the approach. But. Uh, yeah, thanks to Pete Gurdon for hosting us over there at Grandfather. That was a, a really fun day and a real treat to to be there and to play the golf course. It was spectacular and um, just thank every- goodness for a half inch of rain. Otherwise, they'd have been rolling fifteen plus on Monday at Blowing Rock. <laughs> they would have been. Yeah, it's a the mountain meeting is a great meeting to go to to be up in the mountains of North Carolina in October, anytime in October, it's just uh, really special. Whether the leaves are turning or not, it's just a, a nice time of year to, to be up there and a fun meeting. And I would encourage anyone who hasn't been in the past to to put it on your calendar. I think we're, uh, we're still working through some of the sites, Tim, coming up, but um, it's definitely a... I think we're okay. I think we're, I mean, I'm comfortable saying as long as the dates work out, our goal is to be at Limble Ridge in the fall of 
23 and at grandfather in the fall of 24 when Pete's president. We'll put those on your calendars if you're listening, because those will both be really fun ones. And um, it's just a great area, yep. that greater, um, you know, Boone, Blowing Rock, Banner Elk area is just a really cool area to be for sure. So, and yeah, shout Would out. Would you to recommend us. taking an entire week, Jim, and taking your wife up there and enjoying the scene? I would, yeah. It's a great place for recreation all the way around. I enjoy it, no <laughs> doubt about it. <laughs> but yeah, shout out to Mr. Costner. He um, he's a great guy, and um, I didn't play at Blowing Rock um, myself, but I did get a look at the golf course and talk to Josh. And um, it's a cool spot. And thanks to him for hosting. And thank you to you, Tim, and all the staff for for putting it together. As always, y'all do a great job with that. Oh, it was an amazing event. I love getting up there. So speaking of putting on events, let's transition over to the conference and show coming up here in beautiful Myrtle Beach, November 14th, 15th, and 16th. Uh, we've had some changes, Tim, some challenges, some um, reflection time. And um, why don't you give the listeners a little bit of a update on the conference and show, uh, a quick uh, – synopsis of the changes and 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 where we're going and what people can expect when they arrive in myrtle beach well i don't know exactly when they're going to listen to this but if you haven't signed up for golf you better hurry up because pairings are filling up quick and there's no longer any space in captain's choice i think we're over 300 already total golfers 60 something in sporting plays um seminars are catching back up to last year's pace um but all in all we're excited jim you talk about challenges and the things leading up to it i mean it's it's no different than what everybody's going through in their daily lives right um we're all uh, faced with these changes for summarization terms um whether it's pricing labor people etc uh so yeah we we as an association face some big challenges this year regarding um having to find a new uh, convention services company to work with. We, uh, our 30 year partnership uh, is no longer in existence with the company that we've used. And so, you know, you you incorporate some significant price increases and what we didn't want to do was just immediately pass those along to our exhibitors and our attendees. You know, you guys are being pushed enough every day throughout your lives. And so if we can internally make some changes, um, and some sacrifices, I dare say, then maybe hopefully we can bring a product forward that would cost you the same as in 2021, which was our goal. So um, changes you alluded to. Uh, Monday, going to be pretty static. Um, same as, as last year. We're going to have a golf championship on three courses, True Blue, Caledonia, and Wachesaw Plantation. Uh, we'll have a sporting clay, and that'll start at 11 o'clock. We'll have a sporting clays event down at Backwoods. It'll start at noon and then we're going to have two seminar sessions on monday one in the morning and one in the afternoon um so that's how we have four different seminar times that are offered between monday and then we'll roll into tuesday tuesday morning classes at eight and then lunch and then classes again at 12 30 12 12 30 which will lead us to our standard 4 p.m start time of the trade show i think the big difference this year is we took an hour from wednesday's trade show and added it to tuesday night so we're kind of calling it Carolina's night on the trade show floor. That makes sense. And the hours will be from 4 to 8 p.m. We're going to have bars 
in a couple different booth locations inside the trade show floor. Um, and they're open bars. doesn't cost you anything. In fact, you cannot use your wallet at these bars um, just due to the fact that there's only two. So we're going to have drink tickets out there at all the 27-hole challenge booths and everybody else just recently has been offered the opportunity to purchase drink tickets to distribute at their booths. So as an attendee, you go in there, you wander around until you can find your drink tickets and you can go get your drinks. And as you're wandering around the trade show floor, you'll find that there's food in three or four places and all that food's available. We're going to do food from five to seven. Um, and so we've found that the most traffic and the most excitement is on Tuesday evening. So we're trying to capitalize on that. And then as we transition into Wednesday, um, General sessions will be in the morning, the same DSA award and annual business meeting. And then we'll move over to the trade show from 1130 to 230 instead of from 1130 to 330. So at two o'clock on Wednesday, we'll be awarding our 27 hole challenge prizes. And um, I'd say the only major change on Wednesday to alert people to is that the concession stands will be open along the walls so that you can get yourself something to eat or drink, unlike years past. And there will be no free lasagna on Wednesday. So that was one of the sacrifices we had to make to uh, kind of fit all the puzzle pieces into a, a budget from last year. So we're excited. It's filling up. We've got almost as many vendors as last year, if not a couple more. Um, we're going to kind of put a display on the trade show floor where you'll be able to see all the different booths where drink tickets are available, uh, kind of make it easier for the consumer. Um, but, you know, Jim, in all reality, it's kind of like a grocery store mentality when you build one of these things. You know, if anybody's been into a grocery store, you realize that the chips that you need and the dip that you need are no longer next to each other. You have to move three or four aisles in between and try and figure out what's going on in the middle in an attempt to get you to spend more. So we kind of went with the same mentality here to spread out drink tickets all over the floor, have food in different places and um, bars in different places to kind of keep people in the traffic moving on Tuesday evening. So let's hope it works. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, and it's going to uh, be a little bit of a change, but um, we're hopeful that um, it'll be a net win for everyone, and um, change is never easy to deal with, but we feel like we've come up with a good plan. Again, thanks to you and the staff, Tim, for really working hard on this, um, and the rest of the committee for the conference and show, um, but it should be a good one. And um, we're looking forward to seeing everybody. I know I am. So, um. Yeah, I mean, the feedback's been great, and, and I appreciate you noting that. I mean, the ladies in the office deserve all the credit. You know, I'm a mouthpiece. That's it. Um, but, yeah, they've been working really hard on this going all the way back to February. I don't think that's what some people realize. It's just because you don't see anything really until Labor Day, if you're an attendee, um, what it takes to lead up to that for you to be able to be, be presented the information to register. It's a ton of work. I thought I had a pretty good idea what was all um, involved with it, but now being on the board and being behind the scenes a little bit, uh, it's even more than I ever imagined. So, yeah, exactly. Shout out to the ladies, Angie Davis, Kim Clark, Melissa Smith. Um, they do a great job. So we're very fortunate Trent helps to have them. And Trent, I was, I was getting to them. You didn't give me a chance. And thank you to Not Julie. Bad. And Tran, who produced the magazine and do other media things for us. And to our man, Alan Knight, and all his um, contributions, he's going to be there as well, documenting things. Um, we're planning on having our podcast equipment set up there. So if there's anyone 
interested in possibly recording and getting a shot on pulling weeds, let us know. Um, we're going to have it's everything. Pulling. It's pulling. There ain't no G, Jim. Pulling weeds. Sorry. I'm going to have to get that right, Tim. I may just start saying it that way going forward all the time now. I might. You got the G going on, man. You got to drop the G. <laughs> Aren't we talking about redoing the logo? Maybe we should add the G in. Oh, my gosh. You throw everybody off. Pull it. And I don't even think you could search properly for it. Because now if you go and you search podcasts on any platform, all you got to do is put in P-U-L, and it usually pops up pulling weeds next. We, we've come a long way. <laughs> pull in weeds. It's pulling. Pulling. Not two syllables. Yeah. Pulling. It's almost like the tractor, but there's no U. <laughs> let's uh, let's focus on that a little bit as we wrap up here. Um, While we're wrapping up, we got more to talk about. Have we talked about insurance at all yet? We have not. Um, that wasn't on the that wasn't on the list, but we can go rogue here, and you can fire away. Let's talk about insurance. Well, first of all, we're going to have to retrain you as a host because there is no list for these things. We go off the cuff. So second of all, um, it's kind of like the insurance program. I feel like we're, we're working hard on something that we haven't let anybody know about. It. It's kind of hiding behind the scenes. But if you're listening um, and you get a chance, the Carolinas is partnering with a company in North Carolina to provide um, benefits for our members directly. That could come in the form of health and medical, or it could come in the form of supplemental policies such as cancer, vision, dental, life, things of that nature. Um, and so the good news is we're really excited because as a group, we hopefully can get better rates than an individual would be able to. And that's the main catalyst for us getting behind and doing this. And so um, there'll be a presentation on Wednesday morning at general sessions about this, as well as um, members will start receiving direct information within the next couple of days, actually, of us recording this um, about the insurance program and the offering. Um, our goal is to have the uh, offering for 2023 open, the open enrollment period, November 21st through December 5th. So right when you get back from show, um, you'll be ready to dive in if there's any interest in, in trying to look into that. Uh, the representatives, like I said, will be at the conference and show for two days and have a booth. So you can come ask questions directly or even set up appointments for those first three days in November in the offering period. But um, we're really excited about what we're trying to do for our members. Um, you combine that with some things we're doing in South Carolina with the Department of Corrections trying to find some labor solutions. And we're really kind of excited with some things that we're doing for our members that are kind of outside the normal purview of our uh, mission statement. Exciting stuff. Yeah, it's uh and as we're sitting here I've received an email from the state asking for help finding someone to sit on the Saluda River Basin uh council. And these councils just to kind of clarify for everybody are for um not for surface water withdrawals but for um oh, what's the term I'm looking for? Deep water yeah, that would be wells and, and that type of thing where surface waters, you know, rivers and lakes and ponds. So there's a different permitting system between how you withdraw your water in the state of South Carolina and uh, the non-surface water folks in all those different areas right now. They're having stakeholder meetings to try and rewrite 
um, the language for all those. And the good news is by golf being included in that, we have a seat at the table to make sure that we're not overlooked or shortened or um, any even, you know, allotments are eliminated. Yeah, it's fascinating when you get in those meetings and realize what a small portion of, of water use we use in golf in the States. Um, I didn't know until I went to one of the meetings that um, industry is, um, you know, might use anywhere from 70 to 80% of the surface water in each state. And then everybody else, agriculture, golf, um, you know, municipal water companies make up that other um, percentage. But um, it is important for us to, to be at that table. Here's your tidbit on surface water usage in the state of South Carolina. And to be considered a large user of surface water, I believe you have to, I think it's a million gallons over the course of a 30-day period. If you withdraw that much that you have to register a permit, I could be wrong, something along those lines. I haven't looked at it in over 12 years, but the stat that I'm going to share with you is this. Those large surface water users that report, 97% of those are used for the creation of power in the state of South Carolina. 97% of the water is used for that. The other 3% allots for everyone else that you just alluded to, factories, corporations, whatever. Add golf. And of that 3%, golf represents less than 3% of that 3%. So we may get a black eye, but at the end of the day, if you're in Hilton Head and it's raining on a Monday and you see water going on the driving range, do your homework because that's wastewater. The only reason that housing development is there or that golf course is in that housing development is to be able to get rid of the wastewater that those homes create in and around that island. So they have million dollar or million gallon per week, some of them, um, gosh, regulations that they have to disperse that much water on the golf course, gray water, Correct. recycled water, whatever you want to talk about. So some interesting tidbits that I think a lot of people don't understand regarding golf and water usage. Yeah, they only have so much holding capacity, and when they reach that holding capacity, it's um, they need the water discharged, and a lot of times it's, like you said, it's out on the golf course and not necessarily when the golf course needs it. I know a lot of it's uh, calendar dependent. You know, when the homes are full or the rental units are full, there's a lot more water being generated and used, and then there's a lot more need to get rid of the water, and then other times vice versa, so... Yeah, well, thanks for, thanks for correcting my percentages because I was way off. And No, you were closer than anybody else has got, but it just, man, it blows you away when you get into those meetings. You start asking the questions and find out what really goes on, you know? Yeah, I'm really... So when you look at that percentage, it's even more amazing that we're at that table when you think about it. Yeah. Because really, we'll sit right next to the Duke Powers and, you know, everybody else is creating energy. Yeah, I'm appreciative that we have some of our some of our own on those, those councils and that are representing us, as I said earlier, it's, it's huge. So yeah, it's exciting stuff. Um, we, uh, there's a lot going on behind the scenes and that's part of why we're doing this podcast here. Cause letting people know, uh, some of the things that are going on with the association, cause we don't always shine a light on it and think it's important to, to let people know. And it's an overall, um, think we're going to do a few more of these going in the future tim right we have some different um some different ideas that we're working on behind the scenes for pulling weeds as well um pull in weeds and uh why don't you talk a little bit about uh some of the changes that uh we have forthcoming 
Well, I think what we realized over the first four years is that the most successful ones were about the people. And as we learn about all the other different podcasts that are out there in our kind of genre, um, people continually ask why, you know, why do you have such good listener numbers? Why are people engaged still? And I just go back to the, what I hear from others and it's the, the little tidbits that they learn about the people when they're listening. Um, whether that's a friend, a past employee, employer, you know, somebody they met at a meeting or at a conference or whatever, it just gives them, you know, a little bit more information about that individual and, Sometimes it's fun and it brings jokes or sometimes it brings on more in-depth conversations or sometimes it's even personal stuff that can help people get through. And so I think we're going to continue to see that focus probably a little less on intros and banter and Tim and Al and a lot more of just individual hosting with potentially myself or board members or whomever. Um, just sitting down with members individually one-on-one. So the format may change a little bit next year in terms of having segments and ads and things of that nature. Um, also like to thank Simplot for four years of support. You know, it was a brand new product. They were brand new to the area and we were able to work really well together over the first four years and we appreciate their support and making it happen. Um, and we're always, you know, available to have discussions with others. If they're interested in being a part of the podcast or sponsoring it, I think next year we're going to, remove the the overall title sponsor component and look at doing some individual ones. If companies want to be involved and participate and we have a message that we can share, then they can do that. Or, you know, there's somebody looking to be involved at a larger level. We're we're always all ears. But I think the thing that our board recognized was the importance of telling our member stories and the impact that that's having and the value that comes with that is it's, it's hard to put a dollar figure on. So we're committed and we're going to continue to just tell those great stories. Um, I don't think that you're going to see a monthly release per se, or us being held to any timeline. Um, I think that's some of the freedom that we're looking at as a board is to be able to maybe do some more series like we did last year with the women in turf or when myself or board members are in an area where there's a lot of members attending and time allows that we're going to sit down with them and do maybe five and 10 minute interviews with people to get little, little life stories or equated rationales to why they're at a certain event. Um, and then put it all together so that the listeners have some quality entertainment there. Um, so yeah, it's up in the air at this point in time. Good news is we've got the holidays to move through and figure out the direction we want to go. Yeah, it's exciting. And, uh, again, thank you to Simplot for everything they've done. Um, thank you to our man, Alan Knight, for all the help. He's still going to be helping us. Um, he's not going to be as much in his role as a host anymore, but still working with us behind the scenes, which is going to be good. And, um, yeah, it's a nice – we've found, Tim, wouldn't you say that it's a nice conduit to the younger generation within our association. We're not saying everyone that listens to it is in that younger generation, but it seems popular amongst – younger people. I think that's something that you found when you were volunteering at the president's cup. I did. And I also tell you that I think it's a good chance to have some of the old guard on to share some of the stories with those folks that they'd never get a chance to hear. Um, But yeah, it was interesting being at the president's cup for an entire week and the feedback, you know, from, I wouldn't just say assistants, but superintendents from not only different areas of our country, but from other countries that, you know, once you've met them and, it was funny. It was like sometimes it was the second or the third day they'd come up and I, oh, you're the pulling weeds guy. 
like yeah, one of them, you know, it's our, our association, you know, I work for the Carolinas. Oh, it's, you know, it's kind of interesting. It was a little different as before, you know, it was always work for the Carolinas, you no know, podcast. And now there's a podcast that ties you to it. So anything we can do to create branding and good name recognition out there, I think is a positive. Absolutely. And I like that you mentioned the, uh, getting together with people at our events and stuff, you know, the women in turf, um, the Southeastern regional conference. We did some of that. We're going to try to do it at our own show here in November and looking like we might possibly be doing some recording down in Orlando at the national show. So, uh, lots of different opportunities for people to get on the show if they're interested and, um, we're going to forge ahead and we're not exactly sure where we're going, but we're working on the roadmap right now. So uh, stay tuned for, uh, for that and um yeah and 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 give us your feedback you know send emails text hell everybody's got my cell phone do i need to put it on here again i mean i tweeted it a couple times but it's easy to find and it's on the website but you know just call us send us an email whatever your thoughts are reach out to any of us that you've heard on here and you know we're, we're going with feedback to make it better absolutely so you got anything else tim or should we should we move on no, I think we moved on. We're already 20 minutes over what I wanted to do today. So I just hope everybody's enjoyed this, and learned a little bit about the Carolinas and the passion that the leadership has behind it and the pride that we have in being able to represent our folks um, in all the different areas of the business of golf. Well, there you have it, folks. That's Mr. Tim Krieger, Executive Director of the Carolinas Golf Course Superintendents Association, host of Pullen weeds did i get it right that time tim so much better we got to get your slurring down a little bit pull it you know you got to sound like you got a dip in your mouth which you're not accustomed to but we'll get you there no i'm not accustomed to that and i had a bad incident with that one time many many years ago but uh thanks everybody for listening and thank you for coming on tim and filling us in um we really appreciate it appreciate you and what you do so um have a great day and carry on Go team. Thanks, Jim.